also a little bit tough about the past year and running all these races, just that they were often so close together. And so, you know, I'd be spending two weeks in one country and then all of a sudden I'd be, you know, in a completely different country, completely different environment the next week. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. So as you saw in the intro, Liz Warner is turning 30 pretty soon, in June actually, so coming up quick, and she has a goal of running 30 marathons in 30 different countries, all raising money for charities in the countries that she's running uh, by the time she turns 30. Well, she's on marathon number 28, and obviously this whole coronavirus thing has thrown her off a little bit. And she's moving her next marathon to virtual, so you, you'll be able to join her, actually. So it's coming up this Sunday, the 24th. There's a link uh, in the show notes, or you can go to runtoreach.com slash virtual dash marathon, and uh, you can sign up and run with her and raise some money for some of these causes. She's trying to raise $100,000. Uh, she's around halfway there and would love to reach that goal, so please join. There's people from literally all over the world going to be doing this marathon to do her 29th marathon. And then she's going to finish her 30th off, uh, hopefully at base camp of Mount Everest, but we'll see. But anyway, um, hope you enjoy the episode. It was really fun talking to her. And as someone who's also turning 30 this June, uh, I don't know if you thought I was younger or older than that, but I am also in the boat that Liz is in. So we had a lot to talk about around that. And it's definitely something I'm not, I don't know, a lot of apprehension around. So, <laughs> And also, I wanted to thank everyone that's reached out to the show lately. I, I love hearing from y'all. I love when you suggest someone that should be on the show. I reach out to all those people if I think they, they would make a good fit. So love when you, when you reach out to us, Mason at adventuresportspodcast.com um, or find us on Instagram or anywhere else. So thank y'all and enjoy the episode. Folks, welcome to the show. Today's episode, we have a pretty pretty exciting guest, uh, Liz Warner. Thanks for coming on. We're happy to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, and, and you know, folks heard uh, you know a little bit about you in the intro, but could, could you could you tell us um, you know where you're coming from today, and if that's not home, where where it was home for you growing up? Of course. So I am now currently in Paris, where I've been based for the past three and a half years. I grew up originally, um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. And yeah, I lived there up until age 18. I went to college in Maine, and then moved to Japan, lived there for five years. And then yeah, I came to Paris um, a bit over three years ago, for grad school originally. So Wow, awesome! And, and I've talked—I've heard you talk a little bit about the differences of living in Japan versus uh, versus Paris for you know the, like yes. the workload and the 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 I don't know the expectation from society to work too hard. So I, it here's it sounds like you're enjoying the pace of Paris. Yes, it's just it's such a slower pace. Like even compared to if I had to compare Paris to New York too, it's just I don't know. People just operate at a very much slower pace here. Um, 
they're just sort of being, they're not really doing much of anything. I mean, the French, I mean, they, they get, they get their, their stuff done, but, um, but it's a much more relaxed lifestyle. Definitely. Oh man, that's kind of, that's kind of my, my lifestyle right Your there. Vibe. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you say you're from Georgia, we're from Florida, but like a very Southern area. So I feel like the, the pace of the South is a little slower too. So that's kind of, that's kind of how we operate. But definitely, definitely. So, you know, growing up in Atlanta and now you're doing these marathons all over the world, literally just so exciting. Were you this kind of person growing up in Atlanta, Georgia? And was your family really outdoorsy and adventurous like this? I definitely, yes, I did get the travel bug from a pretty young age. My father, so both my parents are from New York. So that's sort of why I also don't have the Southern accent. I wish I did, honestly, because I find it really charming. Um, yeah, my my dad actually, he went to medical school in France because he actually didn't uh, get into a medical school in the U.S. So he went to France. And I think from him, I really got my adventurous spirit. And I think growing up, I mean, when I look back at my education, it was always sort of, you know, traveling and experiencing different cultures that I feel so privileged, you know, to have been exposed to. Um, I feel like that's where I really grew. And that's just what I really love doing all growing up. So I think also kind of living life outside my my comfort zone has also been always very appealing to me, um, which is why, you know, I sort of moved to Japan on a whim uh, right after college. So, um, so yeah, so I think growing up in Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta is also a very cosmopolitan city. Um, you know, there are a lot of international companies there, you know, Coca-Cola, CNN. So I think, you know, there's also really cool um, international environment also in Atlanta. But but yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like I didn't grow up necessarily like in a small town. So, um, so yeah. So this was kind of in the making from an early age. And yeah, you're right. You know, Atlanta is this hub. There's a saying, I think anyone that's going to die in the South has to, has to go through the Atlanta airport first to go to heaven or hell, which is just kind this of, is a, true. I don't know. I, I butchered that's that, hilarious. Sure. I haven't heard that one, but that's so funny. <laughs> they were like, that's the terminal just because, you know, it's such a, it's such a crossroads for so many things and so many international companies based there. But so what about from the running perspective? Were you a runner growing up or, or did you discover that later? No, I was not a runner at all. I played the sport squash going, growing up. It's sort of like racquetball. Um, and that was honestly my life. Even going into college, I played it also um, in college. And I didn't really pick up running. I did a half marathon my junior year of college. But again, it was never like I still didn't really consider myself a runner. Um, my father passed away, actually. My senior year of college and that's when I just became completely burned out with squash quit it completely and then moved to Japan was in a very weird lost space and um, my Japanese tutor at the time actually told me about this local marathon he was running it was actually it's funny it's um you must all like obviously know about the big Tokyo marathon, which is part of the like six stars, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so this local race in Tokyo is actually for all of the Japanese who didn't get accepted into the actual like official Tokyo marathon. <laughs> so he told me about this race and I, you know, I, 
at the time I was actually planning on moving back to the U.S. I'd already been in Japan for almost a year. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I had three months to train for it. It was this amazing goal ahead of myself. And once I actually did, you know, start training for this race, it just, um, I mean, running completely transformed my life. I, you know, really became sort of this um, form of meditation for me, just this therapeutic outlet, especially going through this tough period, getting over my or sort of grieving for my father's death. Yeah. And then I was just completely addicted to it after that first race. The lie, it is kind of a story we hear as folks finding that something like running after, you know, having to grieve about something and, or having yeah. to get over some sort of obstacle, uh, whether it's, you know, some trauma in other ways or, yeah, like you said, but, uh, wow. And for, for, to do it in such a place that was, you know, so new to you and, and, and still so, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it was a really hard adjustment just living over there. And like you said, the work, yeah. you know, the work uh, environment so strenuous and um, this was your outlet. So did, did you start doing more after that or was it kind of a slow climb into, you know, essentially getting up to 30 almost now? Yeah. So I, after that first marathon in Tokyo, it's funny, like during the race, of course, I was like, I'm never doing this ever again. Because it was also oh, a tough yeah. race too. There, It was a very like, <laughs> it was not very well organized and there were no distance markers. And I was like, this is awful. Like it was just a very mentally, it was a tough race. And, uh, but yeah, so, you know, as soon as I crossed the finish line, I just felt, you know, I'd never felt such a boost of confidence. And I actually, it was funny around the time that I ran this first marathon, I also happened to just, I met my now husband in a bar. So, um, <laughs> I mean, long, very long story short, I was planning to move back to the U.S. I ended up staying in Japan. And um, but I was only yeah, since I was only really supposed to stay in Japan for a year, I was having some visa issues. And so it was a bit of a struggle um, coordinating with my company to try to extend my visa. And I told myself, I was like, you know, if I am able to pull this off and extend my visa, you know, for a few more years, I would love to run a mar the marathon in Seoul, uh, South Korea, which was only maybe like six months um, after my Tokyo marathon. And, um, and yeah, I pulled it off. I was able to to um to stay in Japan and extend my visa and sign up for that second marathon and from there it just you know mar running marathons just became synonymous with traveling and especially going to different countries and being over there in in Japan I mean Japan isn't super close to a lot of other Asian countries but it's close enough where you know you could spend maybe 3 4 days and um I really planned any trip you know, my one trip a year around that marathon and, and going and visiting that other country. So that's sort of how it all developed. And then um, six years after my first marathon, I was almost, yeah, 10 marathons in. And that's when I came up with the idea of Run to Reach. Uh, it was actually during my honeymoon. And I was living in Paris, really not enjoying my job. I really almost had to give up running just because my working hours were pretty crazy. And um, I just needed a really big goal ahead of myself. Knew I really missed running and that I wanted to get back into it. And yeah, just the idea sort of popped in my head, almost like you see in cartoons. Um, 
And I just decided to go for it. And then it obviously turned into a much bigger project when I added the um, the charity component to it. And here we are now, like almost 28 yeah. marathons in. Yeah. Wow. So what did your husband say when your your brand new husband after this? It was yeah. like, hey, you know, we're, we're spending time together right now. Now yeah. you want to go do all these things around the world. Exactly. And the worst part is, the worst part is, so Mark, my husband, um, he was actually, I planned to move to Paris um, much before he did because I came here for school and it took him almost a year and a half to find a way to transfer uh, to the Paris branch of his company. And uh, so right when he moved to Paris to finally be in the same city with me, I was like, cool, I'm going <laughs> to like leave for the next year and a half. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, he initially, because you know, I just, I blurted the idea out loud. I remember the exact moment where we were and, uh, and he was like, are you sure you can take on 20 marathons in a year and a half? Like you've been doing maximum one or two per year. And, uh, so I think he was just really concerned health wise if I'd be capable of doing it. But then, yeah, I mean, he just saw me completely light up and I, I've always, I mean, I've been sort of working in communications marketing background since graduating college. And I've always wanted to figure out a way how I could use the skills that I've acquired over these years and sort of transfer them, I don't know, to a, a project that involves, what is the word I'm trying to look for? But, um, you purpose, know, philanthropic, maybe? yeah, purpose, purpose driven, um, and, you know, social entrepreneurship in a way too. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, I came back to Paris after that trip, the honeymoon, and I had essentially two months to plan everything, which uh, in retrospect, I wish I had two years to plan everything. It just felt, it felt, yeah, extremely overwhelming and not as, you know, obviously to choose all the different races and sort of plan all the travel logistics, but also to choose the different organizations I would be working with and partnering with during this whole project because um, essentially I had to choose 20 of them since I my goal is to work with uh, one organization in each country. So um, yeah, that was tough. But you know, I think that's, it's sort of how I roll. Like I'm a pretty big procrastinator. I get everything done, probably not the best that I could be doing. But, um, you know, but it's also been a huge learning process along the way. And even though I've been sort of scrambling and I, you know, every day I'm sort of figuring out how I can pivot and do things differently. It's just my style. And I also knew that the project was going to going to evolve, you know, as time went on. And it really did. Even six months into the project, I scrapped everything that I had planned. I chose all new marathons, all new organizations, because I actually realized the original list of, of races that I chose, they were in a lot of countries that I kind of wanted to selfishly travel to, for example, like Cuba and um, the Seychelles, for example. And uh, yeah, I just decided um, I was six months in, I was in Sierra Leone, I just did a marathon there. And I realized that this project would be so much more interesting um, for myself and just also for, you know, my small audience that if I traveled to places that are very rarely traveled to, um, like Afghanistan or Yemen, you know, Cote d'Ivoire, and it would just be much more eye-opening experience for me if I sort of added that really interesting traveling element to it as well. 
That's awesome. I had no idea. I, I mean, you, you you say you're a procrastinator, don't do things well. I'm looking at your website <laughs> and like, it's all so organized and it's just oh, looks gosh. so clean. And I I'm think, glad it looks like that. I'm like, that. wow, okay, here's the 30 marathons <laughs> with all their, their, their associated nonprofits. And then you've got the 10 you did before and it's like, oh, this is so easy to keep track of. But you know, it, I, it just seems like you put this in place and hasn't 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 changed or hasn't had to to adjust yeah. at all. But so, so with these places traveling to some of these more you know lesser traveled areas, have you noticed a difference in the way the marathons are done? Or because they're all organized events, they're not just you know twenty six point two miles. You decide to run somewhere. It's a, it's an event that you participate in. Yes, correct. So it's funny. I feel like some of the very remote races that I've run, like I did one in Mongolia last August and it was beautifully organized and it was like in the most random spot and it was actually a trail race, but it just like, I mean, there were amazing aid stations. Um, it just was very, it was, and it was a local race. It wasn't even like, um, you know, international, um, race organizers coming in. So that's what I've, I loved that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there definitely have been some interesting race stories. Like I turned up for my race in Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire, and it was two, three days before the race. And they told me flat out that they, you know, all of a sudden decided that they were not going to allow women to run the full marathon distance that year. Oh, wow. So, and this is already after I'd spent, you know, almost two weeks in Cote d'Ivoire. I would, had been working with the organization and sort of trying to put together an awareness campaign about what they're doing. And so, you know, it was like my last, my final days in the country. And it was like, I have to run this race. Um, so it was like this huge battle. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, um, there definitely have been some interesting race stories altogether. But overall, I would say that most of the races have been very well organized. And um, I mean, even the race in Afghanistan, there were only 15 international runners. The rest were local Afghan. I think there were even 50 Afghan women runners um, who did the race. So, so yeah, overall, I've been very impressed with the organization of all these races. Do you, it's just so, I've actually, I've only watched marathons, never really participated in, a, you know, something like that. Been at mm -hmm. the start lines of certain things, but not super familiar. What is it like to just stand at the starting line of, of some of these far off places with these people where yeah. you're, you're probably, you do stand out a little bit and, and it's, now I got to run this place I've never been like like I, I'm sure that's I'm sure it, it to some degree you're used to it at this point but I'm sure it, it, there's a there's a whole backstory of how you ended up getting there you know oh yeah and I think what was honestly also a little bit tough about the past year and running all these races is just that they were often um so close together and so you know I'd be spending two weeks in one country and then all of a sudden I'd be like you know, in a completely different country, completely different environment the next week. And, um, I think that makes that sort of warps your perception of time. And I remember so often I would wake up in the middle of the night and I honestly couldn't even remember where I was or, you know, which, <laughs> which country. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure absolutely you can relate. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this, you know, especially the moment right before you start any race, it's just, 
no matter how many marathons or races you run, you always get that sort of tingling, nervous feeling. And I love just looking around and sort of seeing all the different types of people that are around me. And again, like every week it would be so different. Um, and I think especially even definitely probably the marathon Afghanistan was the most life-changing race for me just because again, it was very charged just in terms of yeah, a lot of these Afghan women who were, you know, risking their lives almost training for this race and choosing to take part of it because running is just not really, um, they don't really have that liberty to just go out for a run in Afghanistan. So um, I think just seeing their faces and just how much more this marathon meant to them than just a simple race, it meant really just asserting their independence and and sort of using running as like a, their own weapon of change. Um, that was really, really powerful. Uh, but but yeah, it's, it's just, it's really, you know, I think being back in Paris this past month and sort of sitting still, I'm sort of just starting to process a lot of what I experienced and the, some incredible conversations I had with a lot of the locals living in these places. And, um, it's sort of just a little bit also overwhelming now, but, um, but yeah, it definitely was crazy just to see so many different scenes and, and even, I mean, there's a, marathon and the one I mentioned in Mongolia we started the race actually at 3 30 in the morning so you know two hours the first two hours of that race were in the complete darkness um and you know so I think even just comparing not just the people around but just the environment it's just where they were all so so different I can imagine. Is there one that particularly sticks out to you? I know you've mentioned Afghanistan a few times. Would you say it's that one? And if not, uh, which one is it and why? Yeah, definitely Afghanistan too. And also with that marathon, so it was in this area called Bamyan, which is um, north of Kabul. And it's beautiful. So the marathon itself took place in a national park. So we're like these towering canyons and these beautiful turquoise lakes sort of scattered throughout the course. Um, So I think that was a really surreal, you know, experience just sort of looking at this stunning landscape and realizing, you know, I'm in this country that is sort of off limits to a lot of the world. Not really. I mean, it would be irresponsible to say that all parts of Afghanistan are safe to travel to. But like, I mean, just seeing this pristine beauty in a place that's so often, um, you know, paired with this image of it being war torn. And, and um, I think that was just a really uh, life shattering moment, just sort of piecing these two images together but other really amazing races. I was just actually right when the world started to crumble mid-March this uh, two months ago. Um, I was actually, I did it, yeah, the marathon and I think I mentioned in Yemen and it was on this um, very remote island off, almost off of uh, Somalia. And um, I mean, that was a really special race as well, just because a lot of, I mean, this must have been only 10,000 people living on this island and uh, they all came out and there were a lot of locals just cheering on the sidelines. And um, it's just also sort of soaking in um, the local surroundings as well. And some of these races have been really special. And 
you know, especially in a lot of these very conservative countries, you know, I did a race once in actually back in February, it feels like a lifetime ago, in uh, Somaliland. And, you know, having women sort of be on the sidelines and also... I was, it was just me and one other friend running the race um, as women. And so I think that was also just a really, um, you know, powerful moment sort of seeing their reaction like, oh my God, a woman can actually, you know, take on a race or do a marathon. And um, that was really amazing to see. And, uh, but in terms of just like stunning, stunning marathons and just incredible landscapes, um, God, there have been, you know, I think I'm looking at your pictures and every, every, you know, it's kind of like in a slideshow and I'm just like, these are amazing shots. I can't imagine running through the area because you, because you can, can, and and to answer, when you answer that, could you tell me what, what has been some of the difference for you for places you've run through versus places you've maybe traveled to and haven't done a marathon in? How do you, how do you see those places different? You know, I'm I'm sure you just get such a on the ground grassroots view of of an area by running 26 miles through it yes you know i'm trying to think well i did a marathon last march in guatemala and that was a very interesting it was actually my first trail marathon um because before that i feel like my the first 10 marathons i'd ever run were mostly on road and trail races are just are completely different and uh, require, you know, it's, it's tougher. I mean, running up a mountain is very different than running up like a slight incline on a road. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so that race in particular, we are half of the race. So 13 miles about, um, was running up an erupting active erupting volcano. (laughs) And, um, I mean, it was completely safe, but there was sort of ash spewing up at the top. And so I think again, you know, we landed in Guatemala, maybe a few days, maybe five days before the race. And we sort of saw this volcano at a distance erupting. And then it was just completely surreal during the race, actually sort of looking up and being on the volcano itself. And, um, that being a part of the marathon experience was, was truly epic. Um, so yeah, and that again, just like soaking in the surroundings, like that is a perfect example of just being like, Oh my God, I cannot believe. And I would never have otherwise experienced that probably if I, um, had not run that race, but, but yeah, just truly incredible, incredible places. That is, that is so awesome. I mean, I'm looking at, you got me every time someone starts talking on this podcast, I'm just, I've got my screen. I'm like, just start Googling images (laughs) and I'm seeing this plume of clouds rise over this, uh, volcano in Guatemala. And then a trail going by it. I'm like, maybe that was the trail and the experience. I mean, I can't imagine running by that and seeing it just kind of off in the distance. What a, what a cool experience. And, And I'm looking at your schedule and, and you've got, uh, Somaliland, marathon then you've got the Publix Atlanta marathon and then yes. the marathon in Yemen and I'm like wow Atlanta had to be such a strange juxtaposition right in the middle of those two Absolutely yeah it's um you know when I was creating the schedule of course so instead of the Atlanta marathon originally I was planning on doing this marathon in Siberia and Russia uh, which would have been amazing and I still really want to do it but this is when I sort of scrapped 
the original marathon plan. It was, you know, even from a development perspective, it was actually quite hard to find a really interesting NGO that I wanted to work with there. Not that they don't exist, but it's just harder to work as sort of a non, you know, I didn't speak Russian and it was just a very remote location to find a cool organization to support. So yeah, and I I found this incredible uh, nonprofit in Atlanta called Back on My Feet. And a number of the organizations that I work with, you know, the topic is is a lot of times just empowerment through sport. And so back on my feet, they work with the homeless population around Atlanta. I believe they also operate in a few other cities in the U.S. and sort of get them on a running schedule and sort of show them the process of, of you know, training for something and, you know, and building your strength. And um, so... So yeah, I, you know, I found this amazing NGO there and I decided, you know, I'm going to go home and run my first marathon in the U.S. and have it be part of this whole journey. So yeah, crazy juxtaposition of races, but I actually think that's what made it really cool and, and grounding as well. It was really nice to see my family also during this crazy mission uh, because also, I mean, right after Atlanta, as you mention I went straight to to Yemen and I almost got stranded there like before the right when the whole like COVID situation was happening and sort of all of the borders were closing but um so yeah so when I think back to the Atlanta Marathon it was just a very relaxing grounding experience I think compared to um some of the other races I, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm glad you, you know, did get stuck there somewhere you didn't want to be wherever that is in the world, but yeah, that's yeah. right around mid March. So that was very yes. close. Uh, holy cow. It's funny back on my feet. I actually have a friend that works there and, uh, really? yeah, yeah. I've been actually very looked cool. up, looked it up and, um, obviously talked to them about it, but, uh, very, very cool. It's so cool to see that on the list. Honestly, yeah. that's really neat, but, uh, wow. So, so you are, uh, geez, just dangerously close to the end of this and it's got to be straight you know it was probably it's like 20 mile 23 24 of a marathon you're like holy cow i'm almost there i've only got two to go but you with this whole situation you know that things aren't going to plan again and so i see your next one is actually a virtual one but could you could you share what your plan is around finishing because I've we've actually talked to a lot of adventurers lately that are very close to completing something I, I know one guy we actually just had a guy on who is has visited every country in the world except one and it's because <gasps> coronavirus has uh, no. eliminated the plan and, and it's still tentative it's in the fall but it you know it's such a it, it's in it's North Korea so there's this oh, uh man. so the, you know all sorts of planning needs to go into that of course so even anything that's disrupting plans up until late summer is definitely threatening that so he thinks it's going to be canceled so it's uh it's you know it's thrown people's plans off to say the least so so how has it been for you and and how is it you know how are you adjusted and all that and what's your plan moving forward with this yeah you know, just like with everyone. Um, so originally to the last two races, uh, my 29th marathon was supposed to be in Greece. And then um, I actually had a TED talk that was supposed to be a couple of weeks ago. So that's why I was going to stay more local. Oh, thankfully, it's not canceled. It's just postponed until September. And then um, my last race was supposed to be on Everest Mountain, which would have been amazing. And, you know, there had been so many plans in the works for it. 
a film crew was supposed to follow me there to do a, a short documentary series. And, um, but anyways, that all obviously fell through and that's life. And we're all going through this together and there's been very little time to, you know, feel sorry for us all just because again, it's just, the world has just turned, um, all of our lives upside down. So yeah, you know, I got back. Thankfully, I returned to Paris in time before, like literally an hour after they shut their borders. You know, I received a ton of messages from family and friends just being like, you know, it's okay if you have to postpone your project. Everyone will understand. Like, who cares if you do it, you know, if you finish it up in the fall? But I said, no, no, no. Like, I'm actually feeling very ready to wrap up Run to Reach. And I feel like there's this momentum now and this energy to keep pushing and to keep going. So it's actually been a beautiful experience planning this virtual race. So yeah, essentially I decided Marathon 29 was going to go virtual and um, I've been pouring all of my energy into not only getting people signed up, but runners from over a hundred countries signed up. Uh, so that's been my really big goal, uh, which has actually taken a lot of time to plan and just a lot of outreach and asking friends of friends if they could connect me to runners in these very random countries. So, but it's, it's honestly, it's been a beautiful silver lining in this whole crisis period, just because to be honest, I've found fundraising pretty difficult with my project just because I've been fundraising since last January. And it's sort of like you reach this point where you can't really, it's hard to continue to keep asking people to donate. And with what's happening now with COVID-19 I'm actually with this virtual marathon fundraising for the who's COVID-19 response fund so I'm tying you know I'm really trying to tie in what's happening obviously now with my project and yeah and just with you know getting people involved with run to reach and getting them signed up to the race it's um it's definitely made fundraising a lot easier and a lot more fun and um it's just been amazing the past couple weeks connecting with runners in bhutan and iran and kuwait truly like all over the world so i actually feel very grateful not grateful for covid19 happening but you know grateful for this opportunity to have Mm -hmm. come out of this whole situation now yeah, in a way, a blessing in disguise to connect with more yeah. people, maybe fulfill your goal even more so than if it would have stuck to plan. And that's kind of how life happens. And, and are you still keeping? I, and I didn't realize your Everest quote Everest marathon for your thirtieth was actually climbing Everest. Correct? Not exactly. Okay. I wish I could say that. Okay, I I thought you just mentioned that. I thought you said, yeah, I want to summit Everest. And I was like, holy cow! I didn't no, realize no, that's no, what no. it was. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I, I wish, I wish I was that fierce. I wish. Um, no, it was, um, we had, so the marathon itself, it was supposed to start at base camp. So we would hike to base camp and then, um, and then the marathon would start from there. So not from the summit, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, yeah. And I still really hope to, to do it. I mean, um, I'm still technically signed up and, uh, so hopefully next year I can still do it, but, but yeah, but with my 30th race now, I mean, so this virtual race will be number 29. I'm still unsure where my 30th marathon will be just because again, like even now they still don't know if they're going to open the borders, um, by beginning of June. So 
it's a little bit, yeah, it's a big TBD, but, uh, but I have faith that something will work out and it'll probably be a marathon I do on my own. But again, you know, I think we can only do so much with the circumstance now. And I do feel very motivated to, to finish this project and, um, and to keep the momentum going now. So close. Wow. Well, can I, can I ask you this? Uh, when, when do you turn 30? What day? Yes, I turned 30 on June 8th. June 8th. Yeah, almost, yeah, four weeks from now, about. So four weeks left. Uh, is there something about 30 that either scares you or just sounds, you know, some sort of, you, the com- obviously the completion of your 20s, was that kind of just yeah. what was on the horizon for you when you planned this? So, you know, it's really funny. I'm not a birthday person at all. Like, you know, certain people are just oh, like you're crazy about one. their birthday. I... Really? You are? What? No, it's not birthdays. I love gifts. I really okay. love my gifts on my birthday. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and I respect that. I really do. And it's funny. I think people like with this whole mission and with it sort of surrounding my 30th birthday, it's like everyone assumes that, you know, I'm, I'm so scared of yeah. this like looming birthday. <laughs> but, um, but in fact, for me, it just kind of was, you know, when I came up with the idea, I was 28 and a half, I had a year and a half to do this. And it's sort of like, Fitting in, you know, it was a fun little hook as well, like this 30, 30, 30 before 30 um, idea. And, uh, you know, I I feel very at ease with turning 30. Like, I think even the amount of, like, wisdom and experience um, that I've sort of gone through over the past year, uh, I definitely feel more grounded going into this next birthday and just a lot more humbled, um, by all of these experiences. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea behind 30, it's, it, I mean, it will feel like a big birthday to me, obviously now with this whole, um, project behind me, but, um, yeah, it was never like this, this huge birthday that I was dreading from the beginning. Well, that's good. You know, as much yeah. as I do like my birthday, I'm not looking forward to my neck. I actually turned 30 as well, June 20th this year. So no way. just a couple wow. weeks after you. And so when I saw this idea and, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to you because. Yeah. And you know, how are you feeling looming. about your 30th birthday? <laughs> yeah. Do you find I, it's looming for you? Uh, yeah. I was, I'll say 25 was hard for some reason. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 25. I felt like I used to could lean on you know, oh, I'm just right out of college. I'm still figuring things yes. out or I'm, I'm traveling yes. full time. Like I was doing when I met my, my wife and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been weird. It's been, it's been interesting. It feels, it feels like the twenties have lasted forever, honestly, which is great, but, yes. um, yeah, had some adventures planned for the day of, but those got canceled with the whole Corona, but it's totally fine. Um, just like you moving things to next year, but we're, we're, uh, yeah, we're excited. My wife's a little older than me, and I don't let her forget it. So it's yeah. like, oh, you've been there. So like funny. it's no big deal yeah. to you. But uh, yeah, but no, that's that's too funny. I just thought, oh, this is such a cool thing to close out a decade and open up a new decade with. And so, so let me ask you this: if if this is going to be, you know, I mean, this is obviously just a huge project, a huge completion. Is there yes. anything? And you might not even have time to do this, but is there anything on the horizon that you're kind of looking at beyond this for a project or from something you want to turn this into, or 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 just have a goal after this? Because that that is something we talk about a lot too on the show. Is uh, you complete a huge adventure, 
And it's yeah. like, well, now what? You know? Yeah. You know, I am only halfway to my fundraising goal. So I'm about a bit over 40000 almost $45,000 raised over the past year. Um, my goal originally was 100000 because you know, the idea was to to give because I've been working with twenty organizations and to give a substantial amount to each at the end of this. Um, so I still very much want to continue to. I mean, I'm fundraising has been a very hard part of this project, and but I still um, I still really want to try to reach that goal if that takes me six months or another year. Like I still really be pushing for that. And, um, you know, I, it's still very unclear how I want to continue rent to reach. Cause I think, you know, I don't want to let this whole project die and, you know, I don't really want to let it just be like a year and a half long adventure, but I just don't know quite yet how I want to let it evolve. And, um, I think at this point too, what's been challenging about this project is that I've been sort of a one man show and I truly believe like, you know, you can only do so much as one person. And I would love to, you know, I think what I've also been missing the past year is just collaborating with people. And I think what's been really scary about taking on this project is that I've just sort of been doing everything um, as I feel like it should be done. But I, it's, it's, I've definitely missed bouncing ideas off of other people and, you know, so for this next step, like I'm actually kind of looking forward to getting a normal job again, definitely looking forward to having um, a stable income again after this. So I think those are things that I'm looking forward to next. But I, I definitely still, I am really looking forward to hopefully doing more public speaking. And, and through that, you know, hopefully um, I can extend my fundraising efforts and um i still definitely want to be working in this you know in the development world to some capacity i don't exactly know how yet uh but yeah and you know after run to reach i've already signed up for a hundred kilometer race that's in october oh, wow. it still hasn't <laughs> it still hasn't been canceled yet it's in uh tunisia so um so i think you know I always need something ahead of me to continue to work towards. And I think that's what I love about marathon running or signing up for races. It just gives you something always to look forward to. And I know now it's like so many plans are canceled, but even for me, just having like imaginary goals in mind um, are very helpful and important to me. And, you know, again, going back to my fundraising goal, it's something that I feel you know, I don't want to just be okay and, you know, finish run to reach and be like, okay, well, I raised as much and that's as good as I can do. Like, I still feel like this is what life is about to continue to, you know, reach for the unreachable because even, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, it still feels very unreachable to me, but I still want to go for it. And, um, I actually just, I should mention too, I'm going to plug in here. I just launched a final fundraising push in hopes of getting 2,600 people to donate $26 ahead of my 26, my final 26 miles. So this would actually bring me to my fundraising goal. So, you know, that's a very big number and mm -hmm. I do not think my network extends to that, but, um, but I am hoping, you know, again, 
just, um, you know, what we're all going through now, I feel like we just need to be reminded to, I mean, to look after each other, but also, you know, remind ourselves how fortunate we all are during this whole crazy crisis situation and um, just the importance of continuing to give to strangers in need. Um, so, yeah, so that's sort of the message that I'm trying to push over these next final four weeks of this project and uh we'll see how it wraps up i mean it's still kind of a big question mark especially with my last marathon not even being planned now right right no it's it's kind of wild but you you seem like the type of person that just kind of you know lets things take their course in a lot of ways as well you know there's a lot of hard yeah. work into it but this idea seemed to happen organically in a lot of ways and yes. and i think it's it's kind of moved in certain ways and and obviously with this whole situation it's forcing all of us into certain criteria and certain directions but uh no, and with the fundraising, I, I definitely want to be encouraging to you. Fundraising's hard. It's the hardest thing I've yeah. ever done. And, and, and a lot it's of my so trips hard, have right? been in conjunction with fundraising, and it's just so yeah. hard to hit those goals. Way harder than the, the running is. And, oh, my God. Yes. But, you know, at the end of the day, I always say, like, my last fundraiser, it, it hit, like, you know, maybe 30 40% of what I was shooting for. And it was like, you know what? That's thousands of dollars that wasn't there before you know I, right. I set this arbitrary number in my head and, and and if I don't hit that you know if I would have set it this much lower and I hit it you know that that just would have been what it is but you shoot so high and 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 you know that's 40 grand these places didn't have before and that's something to talk about and but I do encourage you to, to continue and to see where this leads it's such a cool project and and uh oh, thank you yeah so We'll be, um, is the best place to follow you in the last few, uh, marathons, I guess, Instagram or your website. Could you, could you share yes. where folks can find out more and where they can donate as well? Of course. So yes, my Instagram, the project is, so it's at rent to reach. So R U N T O R E A C H. Um, I'm also on Facebook, rent to reach my website's rent So pretty consistent across all three. And, um, so the donation page, I actually set up a separate GoFundMe page for this particular final fundraising push. And all that information is on my website, also on my Instagram as well. And um, I made a very fun uh, campaign video. I put together a lot of content that I took from the past year to sort of show all of the cool places that I've been to and run in and some of the organizations I worked with as well. So I encourage you to check that out as well and yeah thank you so much for your support i'd also love anyone um to join for the virtual race you know again it's you choose your distance you know i want this race is really meant to be as inclusive as possible and um you know it's it's a really it's turning out to be such a really cool global run that's awesome and and, and when is it, it's taking place on may 24th correct Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Awesome. That is exciting. I'm, I want to see if my wife and I will interested. We got a track yes, near our house. I'm not much of a runner, honestly, but we can. Uh, she she runs every day, so um, maybe I'll get out there with her. But no, this is great. Coming from a coming from another, you know, a fellow going on thirty year old. This is very inspiring, yes. very exciting, and 
definitely gets me excited to to try to muster something up before the next month and do something that's that's meaningful like this. So thank you and thank you for yeah, sharing your your you. story and your journey, Liz. This was this is really cool, really great Aww. idea, and congratulations on being so close to completing it. Oh, thank you so much, Mason, again for having me on. Yeah, and yeah, safe travels with everything. We'll be talking soon. Sounds good. All right. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.